0: Everyone and Welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and I'm very excited because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think today we're going to talk about the best episode of The Crown Season 4 so far. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, Of course, we are today talking about The Crown Season 4, Episode 8, entitled 48 to 1, And joining me to help break this down, as always, are my two co-hosts. First, uh, a man who's looking forward to dissing his brother on his wedding day. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, do you have your insult prepared, or are you still workshopping it?
1: I I love my brother. I wouldn't do that.
0: Okay, you wouldn't pull a Charles?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> my, my, my brother is also a very far cry from an Andrew, too.
0: That, that's, that's fair. Um, and also back with us today, a woman who is hard at work on her next commercial book, and yes, you better believe it's a political thriller, <laughs> it's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, uh, as someone with two upcoming books, uh, one which was just officially announced this past week, Time Out, co-authored by you, why would someone not want their book to be a commercial success?
2: Okay, to be honest, I, I don't know because I rely on my books being a commercial success <laughs> in order to live because you know you get money that way. Um, I, I guess if you write from the heart, I stopped doing that a while ago. That's a joke. I do still write from the heart, but um <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, you can't write like giant war and peace stuff anymore. But I, I do hope that Michael got to eventually, like, take apart his part his and joy book and put it into his political thrillers, as all commercial authors have to do.
0: If, uh, if you came to your agent with a book that was that lengthy, would your agent laugh at you <laughs> and be like, no, not reading that?
2: I think she would read it. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope to never put her through that. I think she would read it and then like very nicely tell me, like, no, we we're gonna need to cut like at least a hundred thousand words. If not, would you consider making it two books? Those are those are the nice words they use for this is too long.
0: Fair enough. All right. Um, before we begin, as always, we want to, you know, just disclaim that we don't know anything really about the royal family. We're not British monarchy experts, so We're kind of just assuming that everything that we saw here in the episode is 100% real. You know, did Michael and Bernard arrive at the newspaper stand at the same time? Sure. (laughs) We're just going to run with it. Uh, And so, you know, just take everything with a grain of salt. But we're going to assume that everything that happens in The Crown is the way that it actually happened. And so with that, Ivan, could you please give us a recap of The Crown Season 4, Episode 8, 48 to 1? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So this episode opens in uh, with a flashback to 1947, uh, where a uh, then-Princess Elizabeth, played by Claire Foy, uh, delivers a uh, radio broadcast on her 21st uh, birthday, basically kind of affirming her commitment to the Commonwealth of Nations. Jump ahead to, quote-unquote, present day, 1985. Uh, the Commonwealth of Nations are in... Uh, Uh, a heated disagreement with one particular nation, which is the UK, over imposing economic sanctions on apartheid South Africa. Um, So there is a big gathering of all the Commonwealth uh, heads of state in the Bahamas, as well as uh, Elizabeth herself, uh, to discuss uh, what is to be done about South Africa, uh, with Margaret Thatcher being the sole uh, holdout and the only person that doesn't want to uh, essentially sign on uh, to impose these uh, sanctions against uh, South Africa. Um, so, uh, the uh I guess, Elizabeth, with the help of, I guess, the Indian prime minister, for some reason, uh, kind of band together and try to change the wording of this agreement to find basically a synonym for sanctions uh, that Thatcher would be happy with. And eventually they pull in the assistance of the um, Buckingham Palace press secretary, a man named Michael Shea, uh, who writes novels on the side. Uh, and he uses his wordsmith uh, magic to find a word that Thatcher seemingly happy with. And that word is signals. So uh, the agreement is signed between uh, all the nations. And then just before the dust settles, Thatcher gives a uh, press conference where she's asked, oh, you know, like what made you budge? Why did you move over? And then she said, aha, I didn't actually, because signals can change. So I haven't committed to anything. And so this uh, creates a lot of chaos and uh, turmoil. And uh, Buckingham Palace is so uh, displeased with Thatcher at this point that they consider and eventually execute on leaking to the press that uh, Queen Elizabeth is dissatisfied with Margaret Thatcher's leadership, which is a just massively controversial thing for the crown to be doing. They're supposed to be impartial. They're not supposed to comment on the uh, state of government affairs and how any, uh, you know, head of state or or parliament is performing. And so this causes a big um, uproar in the press, which uh, distracts from other things such as uh, Prince Andrew's wedding day. We'll, we'll probably touch more on that later. Uh, But eventually, uh, you know, there's a, heated audience between Thatcher and Elizabeth uh, and a lot of uh, kind of lack of compromise between the two. Uh, they are both very headstrong in their beliefs. Uh, Elizabeth doesn't fully own up to the fact that uh, the leak actually did come uh, from within Buckingham Palace, even though it, it definitely did. And eventually they decide that they are going to scape their very own uh, press secretary, Michael Shea, and uh, pin the blame on this leak and this point of view entirely on him and insist that it was fabricated. And he, of course, being a loyal member to the staff, ends up uh, going along with this, agreeing to take the heat and then stepping away from his position to pursue a successful career of writing political novels. So that is uh, season four, episode eight, 48 to one.
0: Thanks, Ivan. So I'm going to defend my claim from earlier that I think that this is the best Crown episode that we've seen this season, and I think that no Crown episode is going to give us everything that we want. I think we've we've come to terms with that over the course of almost four seasons now, but this episode of The Crown gave us the return of Claire Foy. It gave us the Liz and Margaret uh, argument coming to a head that's kind of been building through this whole season. It gave us Charles dissing his younger brothers, which was hilarious. It gave us Martin, the person who you know we've always said is like a little bit nicer, being just completely savage. Um, <laughs> it gave us everything that I think we could expect a Crown episode to give us, and I really enjoyed this one. Tell me, I I'm enjoyed wrong.
1: it as well. <laughs> uh, you're, you I don't. Uh, I wouldn't go ahead and challenge your claim, but I will point out that there is one kind of major blemish here, Um, and I think that is the scene where they are trying to come up with a synonym for sanctions (laughs) because that was – ludicrous i just like a scene of them going back to drafting with a bunch of people gathered around looking over other people's shoulders and then cut back to thatcher reading that draft and and every and just the the whole situation continuing to boil that felt very manufactured and i think that was the only kind of very manufactured moment in an otherwise well-crafted episode
2: oh i didn't mind that i thought that was kind of fun
1: uh, oh, no, I, I, I kind of threw up my arms and said, oh, my God, this is so stupid.
0: I thought you were going to say I kind of threw up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, just casually from a Crown episode. No, my only, like, I really like this episode, but I felt like from a narrative standpoint, when did Elizabeth, like, really care about the Commonwealth? I feel like we have never seen her championing the Commonwealth. Like, there was a couple episodes in maybe the first season. But like this doesn't feel like a core trait of Elizabeth. And so I was like, wow, this would feel really cathartic to see her fighting for something if I knew that she considered the Commonwealth as important as her actual family and probably more important than her actual family. Did you guys feel like this was built up? Uh,
1: I mean, well, it was only, what, two episodes ago that... Uh, Charles and Diana visited Australia because, you know, the the relationship between the Australian prime minister and the crown was was on thin ice and it seemed like Australia was slipping away. You never got the sense that Elizabeth cared quite enough about Australia to want to go salvage the situation herself. Instead, she left it in the, you know, somewhat irresponsible hands of Charles and Diana. So
0: you do have to wonder. I think that's what makes it even more hilarious because like- it's so this is
2: just funny this, to
0: you. Oh yeah, this episode was a comedy full, like, <laughs> it was fully a comedy, but that's what makes it even more funny to me is that like, maybe she doesn't even care that much, but she hates Margaret Thatcher so much <laughs> that she's willing to go to all these lengths just to come to, you know, come out on top. And one of my favorite lines was when she was like, I don't fight much, but when I do, I like to win. Uh, but, but hold hilarious. on, hold on,
1: hold on, hold on. You say go to all, through all these lengths, like, but what did she herself really do? I, I did not see Elizabeth lift a single finger this episode.
2: She risked the entire institution of the crown in order to say. I guess that's. I can but think of this but shit. you know what? I, you
1: know what I mean. Like she wasn't like responsible for coming up with like a draft of the agreement that made Thatcher happy. She didn't like really like throw down her weight too much. Like she didn't. It didn't seem like she was really asserting herself a lot here.
2: I guess at least we know that the writers in like, the writing room weren't like, let's make Elizabeth be the one who comes up with the word that Margaret Thatcher like approved. At least they didn't have her come up with it. Then you'd be like, I, I don't know about this.
0: See, I think that the whole movement gained more traction because they knew that Queen Elizabeth was behind it. Like, I do think she threw her weight around a little bit. And also, she just fully sacrificed her press secretary.
1: <laughs> well that no but that that that's what i mean though it like, it like if this was a game of chess like the pawns were doing all of the work like elizabeth yeah. like maybe moved forward one square and then
0: one square back
2: gone are the days when the royals were out on the battlefield
0: now they're uh they're uh hiding in the office watching their press secretary leave with a box um <laughs>
1: By the way, isn't it kind of weird that like even a job at Buckingham Palace, like were it to end in termination would result in you walking out with a cardboard box like through the front door?
0: I did find that a little weird, like the fact that a taxi couldn't even come into Buckingham Palace. Like, he has to leave and interact with the general public outside the gates. Uh,
1: Like, a very nosy and curious general public who would probably see that the, you know, well-known press secretary has seemingly been sacked and is now (laughs) doing a walk of shame.
2: Poor guy. You would just imagine, like, the way he just slowly descends into, like, my agent was right. But you know what?
0: That probably helped his writing career. It word, did. No, so he ended yeah. up on
2: top, from what I understand.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Ivan, to your earlier point about some of the directorial choices, this was another Julian Gerald episode mm-hmm. of The Crown. So he 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 made a couple interesting choices. There was that, and then there was also the montage at the beginning of Claire Foy delivering the address, um, and all of these kind of little vin- you know vignettes of people throughout the Commonwealth listening. But overall, I th- I liked a lot of the directorial choices.
2: I actually liked that. It felt like kind of unique for the way the Crown's usually directed.
1: Speaking of Claire Foy, let, let's 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 just jump into this. So this scene earned her an Emmy Award for Best Guest
0: Star. Uh, do you have in the a list? Drama uh, do you have the list of other guest stars? Because uh, I will a- pull it up. On face value, yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot.
2: It was a it made it reminded me of how specific Elizabeth's accent is. Like she really like I didn't I didn't remember how much she like went in on that accent. It was like crisp. I really like listening to her make the speech. <laughs>
0: Did you like at the end of the speech when she's done with the speech, but she doesn't know where to go? So she just kind of stands there awkwardly for like three seconds before she leaves.
2: Sounds like Elizabeth. Yeah. Wait, was she, she was queen by this point, right?
1: No, this is, this is, no, no, no. This is 1947. This is Princess Elizabeth. Uh,
2: Oh, well, so I guess maybe she didn't learn the exit strategy protocol yet.
1: Okay. So Claire Foy nominated alongside uh, Sophie Okanito for Ratched, Alexis Bledel for Handmaid's Tale, McKenna Grace for Handmaid's Tale, and Felicia Rashad for This Is Us.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I haven't seen Ratched, but I feel like all the others also were pretty small roles, but Claire Foy definitely has the smallest role.
1: Yeah, I mean, I watched The Handmaid's Tale, and I don't even know who McKenna Grace is, so...
2: She, like, plays younger version of Blonde Woman in a lot of, like, Hollywood movies.
1: (laughs) Anyway, we digress. Uh, So Claire Foy is in this for 15 seconds, practically, and she wins Best Guest Star. Uh, Are we on board with that? Because I'm definitely not.
2: I think that was kind of a... uh, Emmys love the crown, except for, and I will keep saying this when um, Emma Korn did not win... But otherwise they love the crown like a little, like too much. They do. They really did. I'm sorry to next year's award season.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But there, I mean, even just like, so, okay. The, the scene itself conceptually like worked for me. Like I loved seeing all of the different commonwealths and seeing all of like the differences in, in like their, uh, you know, cultures and, and, you know, kind of standards of living by the time we get to, you know, the final scene of Margaret Thatcher in university. But, uh, I found like the way that Elizabeth, the Claire Foy Elizabeth was sort of visually introduced to us to be a little kind of weird and slightly off-putting. Like, I don't know if it was the way they lit her, but it had like this weird, like Carrie Fisher at the end of Rogue One feel where I'm like, oh, is wait, is that really her or is this like a CGI version? There there was some kind of uncanny valley Nature to it, and it actually made me think that th- it might have worked better if we only ever just heard her voice and never even saw her on screen.
2: Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I imagine they put makeup on her, right? Because like she never played that young Elizabeth, or if she did, it oh, would have been the very beginning,
0: it would have been like that the first must episode.
1: Be, yeah, yeah, that must be it. So they were probably like overcompensating a little bit
2: yeah i imagine that's what happened i mean it, it bothered me like a little bit but you're kind of like you can imagine the fan service part of it where like everyone like loved claire foy so they're like oh my god claire foy's back yeah and, like and no no back. don't get yeah. me
1: wrong i was happy to see claire foy but i a little displeased that kind of like how kind of stunt casting e it felt and and then to have it win an award for you know what would be like she literally was just reading off a script. That's mm-hmm. what she was doing. That, I mean, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't call it a, a tour de force performance. That That's all I'm saying.
2: I hope they do it again in season five. Let's just keep bringing Claire Foy back and just keep having her take the Emmy.
0: For season five, will they bring back both other queens? Oh. Now there's two Queen Elizabeths to bring back. I bet you season
1: six, episode 10, will have a guest appearance from both Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman.
2: Let's go. Just get all the Elizabeths together.
0: So you're calling your shot for season six, not this upcoming season.
1: <sighs> no, yeah, I, I would say so. Because <laughs> I think it's too it's too soon to bring back Olivia Coleman. And I mean, by by episode count, like, you know, this appear like this is the third to most recent episode of the show leading up to the upcoming new season. So I don't think we're going to get any Elizabeth flashback appearances in season five, but I bet you, like, they're going to save that fan service for season six. And I I would, I would wager they're going to be basic enough to do it in the series finale.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think we'll
0: see any flashbacks in season five to other, to other people?
2: I
1: think, okay, well, this is a good topic. Okay, so... We're probably not getting a Princess Margaret death episode until not probably not season five. That's probably going to be more season six, right?
2: Yeah, I think she that's more 2000s. I think we're still in the 90s.
1: Okay, then I would guess a Vanessa Kirby cameo in that episode.
2: Yeah, I hope so. That'd be nice.
1: And then since they're prob- they're not going to go, you know, to quite near present day, so there isn't, isn't going to be like a big Philip send off episode. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think if there's going to be a way to weave in Matt Smith. But, you know, he's uh, he's off busy being a different kind of prince in, in Westeros right now.
2: He's having a great time. Look at him just playing royals.
0: I think an Emma Corrin guest star is likely in season five.
2: Yeah, season that kind five? of makes sense. Well, so that's the only season they could do it. Because we in. get yeah, we oh, get kind of
0: like I uh, ve-
1: vehemently disagree. I do not think they're they're going to distract from uh Elizabeth Debicki's performance in, in season 5 by bringing back Emma Corrin so soon.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel what Ivan's feeling, but I would like it.
1: I think the the only I think the reason it was okay to bring back Claire Foy now is because we were, you know, now, 18 episodes into uh, Olivia Coleman's tenure, and she was already pretty well established.
2: I don't know. I don't think they're going to make a habit of this, just because we haven't gotten really—this felt like a special thing.
1: To, to do it more than twice, really, would probably dilute it quite a bit. So I would actually—you actually, know what? I, I changed my prediction. No cameos until the series finale, and they will just be Elizabeth flashbacks. No one else. Wow, you don't think and we're actually, even going to get a sorry. Jared
0: Harris <laughs> Jared Harris again? Uh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. It
2: was up like Mufasa. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. I take it I take it back. I take it back again. Wait, you take uh, it back? No, I'm, I'm so lost. No flashbacks. <laughs> no flashbacks until the series finale. They will probably be Elizabeth flashbacks and if there are if they find a way of working in like Matt Smith or Jared Harris or really anybody else from the past, it will be you know, in support of that Elizabeth flashback, which is to say like Elizabeth will definitely be the center of the flashback, and maybe someone else will be there, but I don't think we're going getting any gratuitous Matt Smith or Vanessa Kirby cameos unless Claire Foy is also involved.
2: Okay, here's my prediction. Oh. <laughs> none of those are going to happen. When Margaret does die, they're going to do a childhood flashback.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I could see that.
2: And that's it. That's that- when they're at like their best. And they always love doing that.
1: But that doesn't conflict with my prediction, necessarily. But I just
2: say there's nothing but the little kids.
1: Oh, oh, uh, so you don't think we're getting Claire Foy or Olivia Coleman back at all ever again?
2: Okay. Uh, the this, this series finale I can buy, but no one here. Right. Okay, so series finale, and then if they have any other flashback relating to Margaret's death, it will be a childhood flashback. That's all I got.
0: Okay. I oh, guess we should talk
2: about the episode. <laughs> yeah, we
0: should. We should circle back to the episode that we watched today.
2: <laughs> I mean, okay,
1: they they they, they gave and Emmy. I think it's okay for us to talk about the scene that is responsible for uh, an apparently Emmy-worthy performance. Love it. A- and what it bodes for the future of the series.
0: Do, do you have any other thoughts, though, or are we go to move to move forward? Let's move on. All right, apartheid. Actually, before we get to apartheid, I think we see. Do we see we see Michael first? And this yeah. was another Julian Gerald choice. We see the words that he types.
2: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> on the screen as he's this, writing. Okay,
2: genuinely, I thought I had gone either clicked the wrong thing or an ad had popped up somehow.
1: For a different show? You <laughs> yes? thought an ad had popped up?
2: It was just, it didn't feel crowd like at all. And I was just like, what? Who? What's going on? <laughs>
0: Did you like his writing? He was writing uh, like a Greek mythology kind of thing, right? Literary. Were you into his writing?
2: I could probably read a paragraph of it. I could not read a whole (laughs) book of that. But I can't read a whole book of that anyway. So it's not like him personally. I just don't like thinking that hard, which is why I probably would be a fan of his political thrillers.
1: So this episode was set in 1985. We're... Were books like that even being published? These very kind of like, just very like airy prose and just like, look at me with my 10 cent words. Like, is that?
0: Well, I think that's what that's what his agent was trying
2: oh to tell God. him. Yeah, like in 2005, <laughs> they published Twilight. <laughs> Have you read that?
1: <laughs> no, I'm saying like this big kind of like, 1500 page, like literary fiction, like grand novel, like, is that something that anybody was able to sell to a publisher in 1985?
2: I think publishing was still very robust back then. I don't think it started to be difficult until like the 2000s into like the, I I don't know, post 2010-ish. I think they would have published that. I mean, like, obviously it wasn't commercial. It probably wouldn't have sold as well, but they probably would have done it.
0: Okay. So... Is this the first time we've seen Michael also? Like, did we, have we met Michael before?
1: We haven't. And and honestly, like the, the weight of his dismissal might have been like a little more heavy if we had even had one prior appearance from him.
0: Yeah, because I feel like we've seen speechwriters in the, like we've seen Martin working on speeches in the past. We've seen people really struggling to get words into the speeches. But yeah, for this man to just like, after he has this meeting, just to then like walk into Buckingham Palace, I was like, oh bold of this man
1: <laughs> yeah it, it seems weird that like given his role he wouldn't have shown up in uh, just a variety of different episodes in the past like any time there's any kind of like international incident or or conflict like in just in this past season and a half alone like there would have been a role for him
0: okay so this episode uh episode centers around apartheid i don't know that any of us are apartheid experts Uh, but obviously we have the benefit of knowing how things play out, which makes it look even worse, uh, (laughs) than how bad it is in the episode for Margaret Thatcher. It's, we've come so far down on her from that episode where she was doing the Balmoral test. She, (laughs) like every episode that passes, I'm just head in my hands. Like, why, (laughs) why, why are you making these decisions?
1: I mean, her only redeeming feature is her hatred of the Royal family at this point.
2: Oh, my God. There was something funny about listening to her like hate the Commonwealth. And like for the first two seconds she's talking, you're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, she wants them all to be free. And then like she keeps going and you're like, oh, no. Like, yeah, it it
1: really kind of raises the question, like, who or what does she like?
2: Does She like small government. Um, she probably likes Ronald Reagan. She likes money. Um, Wait,
1: but like, okay, okay, money. Her her nation is bleeding money. Uh, small government, like, I mean, sh- yeah, she got rid of like her entire original cabinet and replaced them with a bunch of people that she pro- also probably doesn't like. Like, I mean, what? Like, what is her end goal? Like, it, it really seems like she's just tearing things down and not really trying to build anything specific.
2: It really seems like she's trying to make um, England look more like America. That's I don't actually know the larger political scope, but it really seemed like there was a philosophy of getting rid of like social structure. I don't know what you do with the money from there, but not having that there and cutting a bunch of costs, I don't know. Do you think she was uh, anti-tax too? She wanted to lower the taxes. Oh, for oh absolutely. absolutely, yeah. So I guess that that's what she wanted: lower taxes.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, what, what, like, what is she trying to make her legacy here? I, I just. It it doesn't, like, there's not, it really doesn't seem like she's trying to collude with anybody to, like, execute on somebody else's ulterior motives. It doesn't seem like she's trying to, like, uh, you know, specifically, like, specifically discriminate against the particular group. Like, she, like, there just seems to be a lack of vision here.
2: I mean, she doesn't like poor people, so... That's who yeah, she's but, discriminating against.
1: But she also doesn't really seem to like the wealthy either. Like she doesn't seem to rub elbows with the bourgeoisie. Like I like who like who is she for?
2: Isn't she for like her ideal of the middle class? Isn't that her thing? The but middle like class going about it in a very her. strange way.
0: It seems like, yeah, she she's going after the middle class to me. Like her whole agenda is like people need to stop relying on things. We need to give people the ability to be able to rely on themselves. Her plan to do that, though, is just—I don't know—it's a little bit like, what, missing the forest for the trees a little bit.
2: I can't believe that we haven't gotten a Reagan cameo because I know they I'm were like we friends. Haven't. They were like BFFs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't want a great. I don't want a Reagan. No, we don't want
2: it, but like it would make sense.
1: <laughs> who do you think? Who do you think the crown would cast as Reagan?
2: Oh no! Um, well, who are actors in there? 60s how old i don't know how old. i don't know when reagan was born
0: i know i feel like the actors that i'm thinking of are like a little bit too old
2: we can lean too old they could probably
1: like throw some prosthetics onto someone I- i'm guessing that's what they would do
2: why do i think he had like a cowboy accent he definitely didn't oh well
1: well because he played a cowboy right
2: but so i think that yeah i think it would be she ideally would want the uk to be like economically prosperous and to not have social um, structures in place anymore. That's what I think she wants. That, that's it. And then I think she also wants all the Irish dead.
0: All right. So Ronald Reagan would have been 74 in 1985.
2: Oh, he was old. Well, He's actually, a little old. He's a little
0: old, but I'd say <laughs> the crown would want Robert Redford.
2: That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a bold move. <laughs> I would have yeah. been like John Boyd. <laughs> John that-
0: Voight. Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't think the co- no. yes. I don't think the crown wants <laughs> Definitely John not. Voight.
2: No, that wouldn't have been a good idea. He wouldn't have fit the cast vibe. But who would want to play Reagan? They've already done a movie of him, probably. So oh, whoever that person okay. is. So,
1: so there is actually a Reagan biopic coming out next year. What? And, <laughs> and uh, actually, I, I do think they got the casting right. Who is it? Dennis Quaid
2: oh Oh, that's a good one see there's gonna be Margaret Thatcher in that movie I'm telling you these guys were like like best friends
0: is Margaret Thatcher in that movie
2: she better be could you imagine if they had (laughs) Gillian Anderson just play Margaret Thatcher again and then everyone's like it's a connected universe
0: so Sam you said this is the best episode of the season right I stand by that I love this episode all right let's talk about it okay so they go to the Bahamas uh of course they go to the Bahamas for this conference with all of the nations of the commonwealth because it's tropical and why not we get thatcher talking to dennis she's like how do we let the queen you know interact with all these third world countries and meanwhile we get (laughs) liz calling thatcher to a meeting on the royal yacht Ivan, again, is this the Royal Yacht that you visited?
1: Yes, and I was so excited <laughs> because I'm pretty sure I've toured past or even entered the very room that they were in. I Ooh. was I was so jazzed about that scene.
0: So is that, I forget if that was the last episode. So have we two back-to-back Royal Yacht mentions?
1: Uh, I mean, mentions, but this is the first appearance of the yacht in a mighty long time.
0: Yeah, so uh, we get the yacht. Thatcher gets called to the yacht there she and liz are just on on very different pages we see thatcher doesn't like the commonwealth she tells this to liz she thinks that all of the leaders of the uh, commonwealth nations are just tribal leaders in costumes liz takes offense to that because she's like isn't that what i am and then thatcher is like no you're different and liz is like i'm not different though I don't like where this is going. And so that just kind of sets the tone for all of the interactions between them that happened the rest of the episode.
2: It was, no, it was a really good scene. You're just like, oh my God, Thatcher, no good sides.
0: And Liz says, I would really like for you uh, to sign the sanction statement. And Thatcher says, that sounds like a directive. And Liz says, that was actually a question, even though it wasn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, how is it a question? That made no sense. I don't know. She should have phrased it as such. <laughs> should have thrown in a please.
2: Oh, my God.
1: But, like, okay, okay, real talk, though. Like, if Elizabeth had answered that question in the affirmative and said, like, oh, yeah, that is a directive. What do you think Th- Thatcher would have done? Leak it.
2: Yeah. Book is... <laughs> <laughs> because- what power does the crown have? What is the crown's power? Like, if the prime minister just started murdering people, could Liz say that's bad?
1: Well, like, in theory, that was the premise of, like, of of, Dic- of uh, Dickie's attempted coup, right? Like, they basically wanted the monarch to kind of jump in and say, like, okay, this... Uh, parliament and this government has reached uh, a boiling point. They are no longer, uh, you know, acting in my name or acting in the will of the people. So I'm going to dismiss them. And I think I think she it is within her power to do that. It would just have to be like that's the nuclear option. She just an absolute last resort.
0: All right. So after that meeting, Thatcher calls Dennis again and she says it's not a yacht. It's a boat. Ivan, yacht or boat?
1: Well, like, what
0: is the technical difference? Because I don't know. A yacht is fancy and a boat is a boat.
2: I was was assuming it's like some kind of shape thing. Well, I mean, the Britannia, like, is,
1: it's part luxury boat, but it also feels very, like, naval and militaristic in nature at the same time. Hmm. Like, it it, kind of does both at once.
2: Is a boat a ship? And is a ship a boat?
1: Oh, now we're throwing ship into the mix?
0: (laughs) Well, because
2: it's like I think of a battleship. It's not called a battle yacht. I think a
0: ship is a boat. A boat is not a ship. Well, so or, what's a the boat difference? doesn't have to be a, sh- a, a ship. Can, a boat can be a ship, but a ship is always a boat. I think huh. this could be a battle yacht. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it should be... Uh, how dare they disrespect it by not calling it a battle yacht.
0: Okay, so this is where we get uh, the many drafts. Thatcher refuses to sign anything that says sanctions. So how many words do we try? We try uh, actions, controls... controls Protocols, moves, deterrence, limits, breaks, and finally, Liz is like, you know, I need a writer. I need a writer. Whoever's been writing this, terrible. I need a real writer. How convenient she has Michael. I don't even know his last name on her Shay? staff. Oh, Michael Shay. Michael Shay. Is that his name.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Uh,
0: on her staff, he comes up with signals, and Thatcher is finally like, I can work with that. Um, and Ivan, you did not like this.
1: Oh yeah, it was so hokey. It 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 felt like something out of a a lesser drama. I
0: didn't mind it. I thought the back and forth was fun. It maybe went on a little bit too long, but I liked having Liz react to Thatcher saying no and them not interacting with each other, but interacting <laughs> through this random guy <laughs> who okay, just has okay. to deal with this.
1: <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Like, uh, first of all, that random guy what was that was the Indian Prime Minister, right? Random in the yes. context
0: of the show. Yeah.
1: But like it's it's so weird that the like Indian prime minister almost acted like as an office aide to Elizabeth here. Like his role <laughs> felt very diminished from his title. That, but-
2: that checks out. <laughs>
1: But, but here's... Okay, so here's the other thing, though. Like, I know we're supposed to take everything here at face value, but the thing that didn't sit well with me about this scene was, like, the very comical nature in which, like, every time we cut back to Thatcher reviewing one of the words, there was, like, a slightly larger crowd gathered around her desk <laughs> looking in, and every single time that crowd grew slightly bigger and bigger, like, for comedic effect. Yes. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my God! Experiments were done in this episode, and some of them did not succeed. Oh my God! Yeah, this 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 episode had more of a bounce to it that felt kind of odd, especially when it's about apartheid.
1: Well, I mean, they didn't they didn't really lean into the apartheid angle here too much. No. I think they just focused so on you know everything that was going on a, a very far distance away.
2: Yeah, I, I still think it's really funny that this is like what makes Liz snap. Yeah. Out of all the things.
1: Speaking of uh, people snapping, but in a very dignified manner, let, let, can we talk about the scene with the all four kids? Oh my god! I actually, think, yes. I actually think aside, aside from uh, Edward's birthday party, which like didn't really count. It, this was the first scene where all it was just the four of them, and all four of them together at the same time, right?
2: Yeah, I was thinking like when Andrew talked about how he and Charles don't get along. I'm like, when do they hang out? And then they let them hang out. And then we got to see. I was, I like that.
0: This, there was a little bit of build up here. So the first, uh, actually, it starts with Andrew asking Queen Elizabeth if she's okay if he actually asks Edward to be his best man at his wedding and not Charles. So Charles comes into the scene with all four of them, maybe a little, tra- uh, a little charged already uh, because he's been dissed as the best man.
2: He's been dissed by so many members of his family at this point. <laughs>
0: And Andrew, I mean, Andrew seemed a little caricature at this point. Um, yeah. He's like, how could mother do this, creating such a scandal on my wedding day? <laughs> I
2: it should be on the front funny. page. <laughs> I feel like this is the last we're going to see Andrew, so this has to be the impression we're left with him. <laughs> I mean, unless they ever bring Fergie in, which, like, that was, like, okay.
1: We saw her, right? For a Story, second. She
2: never got to say anything, and you're like, oh, no.
1: But uh, the other question is, like, was this also the last time we will have seen Charles in any kind of positive light?
2: I'm going to guess yes. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you think is coming next?
1: (laughs) But, no, I mean, like, like... don't you agree, though, that, like, I mean, it, it, probably because it had nothing to do with Diana and his treatment of her in, in, in the scene. But this was, like, the one moment for, like, for a long time now where Charles actually did something that made me go, like, oh, yeah, good on you, Charles.
2: Yeah, no, I, it really did make you root for him. Cause, and, yeah, like, there was something kind of satisfying of him being, like, yeah, like, I got kids. My kids will have kids. And, like, you're out, Andrew.
0: <laughs> yeah, Andrew, you're fourth in line. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah.
1: There was an interesting line in that um, scene where uh, when Charles was like reading the newspaper and, uh, you know, he he says, uh, what does he say? Uh, She did what she's been telling me not to do my entire life and they're slaughtering her for it. That was interesting. Yeah. Because I I couldn't quite like get a full read on like how Charles felt about the situation, whether – he had any degree of admiration for what Elizabeth had done or if he had, I, I don't know. There, like, Cause like, yeah, he, he himself has expressed a desire to want to put more of himself and his opinions and worldviews out there publicly. And, uh, you know, to his b- dismay, Elizabeth has suppressed that, but now she's gone ahead and kind of done something hypocritical. And he seems to kind of take glee in the fact that it's backfired on her. So Does this mean that he has now kind of grown out of that desire to be more outspoken?
2: Oh, I thought he I got the vibe that he thought he could do better. Like, oh, like, of course, she brought this on herself. Like she has, you know, she wouldn't know how to express an opinion, but I would. That's what I got. Okay.
1: Okay. yeah, that's an interesting interpretation, too. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I was also a little bit not just in kind of like Charles's reaction, but I was a little bit just confused about how the general public was taking this information because it seemed like they went back and forth on it. Like, when the article first came out in the Sunday Times and it was Liz's doing, she's like, what if we leak it that I don't actually like Margaret Thatcher and I'm dissatisfied with the job that she's doing? And Michael's like, I don't think we should do that. The initial newspapers come out and Philip is reading them and they seem pretty positive. They're like, oh, it was really nice and refreshing to see Queen Elizabeth have an opinion and take a stand like this. And she seems to be actually a pretty shrewd political operator. But then as the episode goes on, it seems like other newspapers, or maybe it was also the Sunday times after they refused to like admit that the leak came from within the palace, they completely turn on this. Um, So I'm a little bit also confused about what the public is thinking right now.
1: I I think what happened was the public initially took a lot of delight in the fact that, uh, uh, you know, Elizabeth had done something like that, but then probably looked at the situation less favorably once the palace started denying it.
2: Like if you're going to make a big swing, like you have to like own it.
1: Well, yeah. And, and I think, well, I mean, we, we didn't know exactly what the palace said, but I imagine once the, that Pandora's box had been opened of the the palace having some kind of opinion on the matter at hand. And for them to just go back and say like, oh, no, we don't have an opinion. At that point, they have to express some kind of opinion, whether it's in support of Thatcher or not. But, you know, if if it's already been brought to the table, it, it needs to be clarified. And because they were refusing to do that, I think the public was starting to sour on them.
0: The thing is, everybody, all of the senior management, which I guess is mainly Martin at this point, seems to think that the people will really not like, uh, you know, the queen and the prime minister being at odds, that there's some sort of like, if the queen and the prime minister aren't getting along, the country will fall apart. And I'm like, is that actually true or is that just a perspective that we're being given from inside the palace it's so hard for me to gauge like what the public would actually react or how they would actually react in a situation like this
1: well like okay well th- think about it in today's terms if charles suddenly started shitting on liz truss i feel like that would earn him points
0: it would for sure earn him points
2: see <laughs> it's funny because it would it would differ depending on whatever your political leaning is as an english citizen and then what you think about Charles, if you hate Charles and he says he hates someone else, <laughs> would that make you like the other person or would it make you like what would you, how would you react?
1: My my guess, and, and I mean, as little as I know about the royal family, I know even less about the, the modern day will of the British people. But I would imagine that, you know, based on what we've heard, Liz Truss is very unpopular even within our her own party. So if we can assume that there's only a tiny subset of the population that is loyally devoted to her, I would imagine like Charles opening up and, uh, you know, spilling out some actual honest to good personality out there and saying like, oh, yeah, you know, she – she's botching this up would would probably make him appear a little more human than he has for the past, you know, 60 some years of his life.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I think that would also really help someone. That'd be like the straw that breaks the camel's back. If someone was like about to be on the way out would be the Royals giving their opinion.
1: Well, I think Charles today, like 2022, Charles, uh, you know, it, it's already uh, like one of the, when, okay, we haven't really even discussed, you know, Queen Elizabeth II's passing on this series, because that's not what this podcast is about. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was brought up during all of that coverage was this idea that she herself was more well-liked than the Institution of the monarchy itself, like whatever people thought about the monarchy, their positive view of Queen Elizabeth II kind of helped elevate their opinion a little bit. Charles needs something to help get him on that track right now in 2022 feels
0: a little late for
2: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's the problem. That's why he had Diana, like, back in the day, where, like, when this moment would have come. I mean, they divorced, but whatever. Like, if they had stayed together, it would have, like, made people like him. But now, like, Camilla doesn't have the same draw. I guess he's now riding on the coattails of his kids. Like, what's he doing? S- setting,
1: setting his marriage aside, I, I still think he has, like, the opportunity to rack up a couple of redeeming qualities. And I that guess. could be one of them and so so here we are in nineteen eighty five now and Elizabeth uh, like I'm not sure what the uh, public sentiment toward the monarchy or her is at this moment relative to any other time in her tenure, but I would imagine that uh, an increasingly unpopular prime minister uh, you know her going after that unpopular prime minister isn't necessarily going to deteriorate the public trust in her. I
0: would agree.
2: Yeah, I guess.
0: The other thing that I want to talk about really quickly while uh, we're still kind of talking about the episode before we get into the Kinky Crown Award is that last meeting that Liz and Margaret have, or Margaret Thatcher have, where Thatcher seems to go to Buckingham Palace unplanned. It seems like an unplanned meeting, which I don't know that we've ever seen before from a PM uh, to just kind of like barge into Buckingham Palace and Was that not their weekly audience it didn't seem like it because martin ran in and he was like the prime minister is here and she was like oh
1: yeah so so that that i that i i I did take note of that And, you know, what I think was happening is I think we were seeing the lead up to the weekly audience from like a a different lens, because usually it starts with Elizabeth already in the room and then the prime minister arriving. But this we kind of get to see what happens five minutes sooner now, where upon the prime minister's car pulling up to Buckingham Palace, uh, you know, the the queen's, uh, uh, you know, secretary or whatever would tell her like, all right, it's time to get into your room. And I don't think we normally see that because it's not a particularly interesting, see, uh, you know, scene to depict. But given the nature of the, you know, forthcoming conversation here and, and probably the the dread and anticipation that surrounds it, uh, I think uh, there was definitely some value added there.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that was their weekly meeting because thatcher had made some comment about being like i'm feeling a feeling i've never felt before and it was like anticip, it was something like anticipation for our next meeting
0: and now i think the fact that she said impatience Impatience. implied to me that like she she can't wait
2: so i guess but the impatience part to me implied that she had to wait i don't
1: think even the prime minister can barge into buckingham palace unannounced and like get an audience with the queen
2: if like the princess can hardly do it (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they let the prime minister.
1: They might not have even let her into the palace, truth be told.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine Margaret Thatcher <laughs> just stuck outside?
1: She would have had to have gone to the, uh, the, the, the stateroom guest tour like I did.
0: Because of the situation that the palace has created for themselves where they don't want to seem guilty, if Thatcher shows up at Buckingham Palace and then they turn her away, that just confirms everything that they're trying to deny. Liz, or Thatcher has all the power here. She, ha- if she shows up, they have to let her in.
1: I guess okay. so. Uh, I oh, That would have been a huge gamble on Thatcher's part because had she been turned away, I mean, that would have looked worse for her than any kind of public statement.
2: It's true. Could you imagine? Because she would have been the first one to be publicly turned away too.
1: And that would, like the optics of that would have probably been devastating for her.
0: I feel like Thatcher would make that gamble though. Like knowing what we know about Thatcher, like, I think she would like she she wants to play the politics game. She would make those kind of gambles.
1: OK, but like uh, th- th- like the way that scene planned out, it's not like Martin stormed in and was like, oh, oh, my, uh, you know, your royal highness,
0: uh, d- uh, Margaret Thatcher's here. What do we do? <laughs> I kind of got that vibe, though. Like he didn't say it like that, obviously, but like the look on his face, it wasn't like a regular like, oh, it's time for your meeting. There was a little bit more anxiety than that. <laughs>
1: There was anxiety, but I think it was like, uh, ma'am, the moment we've all been dreading has
0: arrived. All right. But then what I thought was the most interesting, and there were a lot of interesting moments from their meeting, but what was most interesting is that we learned that Thatcher's favorite son, Mark, is also getting married soon. And you know what he does now? He's a businessman in South Africa.
2: I'm telling you, checks out. Everything she does is for Mark.
0: It's all for Mark. Mark.
2: She would throw away all of England's reputation for Mark.
0: I also liked the moment where, like, they're arguing about who's older. It just seems like such a child,
2: like, a child
0: argument. They're, like, six months apart. And Liz is like, well, who's the older one? I mean, uh, 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 if Elizabeth already
1: knew the answer, she should have phrased it as, uh, who's the more senile one?
2: <laughs> and they're both, like, what, 50 something.
0: Uh, I think 61.
2: Oh, 61. Anything
0: else from this episode that we haven't really touched upon that we need to touch upon before we close out here?
2: Um, just that the phrase impressively cunty is the best thing that has ever been <laughs> uttered on the crown.
1: How did we like not even bring that up in, uh, up until now? That was I mean, that was an all-timer. That line. Yeah,
0: that was amazing. That was a good one. Like when I was watching the episode charles obviously has his sick burn i paused it to write down the sick burn i played it again and then i heard the ouch and i was like oh man i can't believe i paused it too early and so i paused it again i wrote down ouch i played it again and then they said incredibly cunty." i was like okay i need to go back and watch the scene again (laughs) i paused too early i just need to take in this scene for what it is i
1: mean that (laughs) that scene just in a vacuum was i think single-handedly the best moment of the entire season
2: it's been it was really delightful
0: okay kinky crown award a a lot of things
2: (laughs) oh i didn't have that much i don't even think mine should count
0: (laughs) you don't think yours should count i have nothing you have nothing i
2: have one that's like oedipal i don't like that (laughs) you have what i have an oedipal one like that Oedipus. Was,
0: I mean, yeah, I had that down as well, I think.
2: Okay. Well ah, then I guess that'll be fine. Okay. I'll call I'll claim that one.
0: Yeah, so uh Andrew says that Charles is jealous of Andrew and Liz's closeness.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was like okay. really wanted to emphasize the closeness.
0: Um but then there was also in um they're going back and forth with uh, you know, the words uh and finding out which word to use. And um, I think it's Queen Elizabeth who says, I'm beginning to see this is all about control. Mm. Mm. I like it. And then, of course, there's Thatcher saying she's feeling something for the very first time, something <laughs> she never imagined feeling.
1: Okay. Mm. Um, can I nominate a CGI Claire Foy?
0: <laughs> you would have to explain.
1: Like, again, I, I don't believe that was actually Claire Foy. I think it was a CGI rendering.
0: But what makes it kinky?
1: I mean, the other p- potential applications. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh I, I will
0: vote for the uh, Oedipus
1: thing.
2: Oh. Do I wanna give Andrew a kinky crown award? I don't know, Sam, you vote.
0: I'm going to vote for it's all about control and the I guess the larger Liz Thatcher energy.
2: I guess I'll do a control. But the Andrew one was close. Yeah, so control wins.
0: It's a win for control. Is it a win for signals? Okay, so... (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. What about signals? Well, controls was one of the words they didn't want to use. Oh. So now the word is signals. So this is what the bottom of the barrel looks like? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, I really enjoyed this episode. I think we've kind of talked through all the pros and cons. (laughs) Um, But next week, we'll be talking about The Crown Season 4, Episode 9, entitled Avalanche, Avalanche. Uh, Charles is caught in a deadly avalanche, prompting both him and Diana to reevaluate their commitment to their troubled marriage. Is this a literal avalanche or is this a metaphor? We'll find out. Because if it's a real avalanche, I've never heard of this. But you've
2: never heard of an avalanche?
0: No, I've never heard of Charles getting caught in an avalanche.
2: Well, we also don't talk about how Anne almost got kidnapped, so maybe we just don't hear about the exciting things that happened to this family including oh 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 oh, we
1: we we talk about it
0: every time you bring it up
2: yeah (laughs) because why didn't they put it in the show
0: (laughs) okay um ivan if people want to catch up with you about the crown the royal family any of that where can they do that
1: so i need to drop the ruse that i don't have a twitter handle it's at ivan vukovic
2: Carlo you um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore GEE. And since books were mentioned in this episode, I guess I'll plug my books. Yes, um, please. you can pre-order sizzle reel and timeout on any of your favorite online retailers that sell books. When are they, what are the release dates on the books? Oh yeah. Sizzle Reel is out, um, April 18th, 2023 and timeout, I think is out May 2nd, 2023.
1: Good vertical integration.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: they really made those very close to each other.
0: <laughs> you really just can, yeah, you can ride that wave. It's like when you get a double speed bump and then okay. your car just goes flying. <laughs> it's <definitely> goes- <laughs> just like that.
2: <laughs>
0: no, because that's or it's the like thing.
1: When you, when you have your, if you have a birthday in early December and then you have Christmas and then there's an
2: oh, emotional yeah, that's crash
1: cool after too.
0: that.
2: Yeah, so can't wait for that. <laughs>
0: Um, All right, and you can find me on Twitter at SirSamChung, but the best place to reach us if you have any, you know, thoughts or comments about The Crown is at crownaroundpod on Twitter. Of course, get very excited because uh, each week that we do this, we're getting closer and closer to the release of The Crown Season 5 on Netflix, which is going to drop on November 9th, 2022. So, uh, you know, we're here to keep you covered until then. And that's really it for us this time. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. God save the queen. God save the Queen. the queen.